0: one and we are recording again two guests who are no stranger to this show Dr. Ken alabek and Dr. Peter McCullough. Both of you have been on here several times and for some reason have the patience to keep coming back on my podcast. So for that I am eternally grateful. This is episode nine thirteen on Wednesday September 14th, five eleven PM twenty twenty two. And um, because of both of your fields of uh, expertise, Dr. McCullough, you are uh, the most published cardio-renal physician in world history. Dr. Albeck, you are uh, currently working on on autism. You were uh, the first deputy director of, uh, of biodefense in the former Soviet Union. Your book, Biohazard, is absolutely fascinating. I just read it for the second time. Again, to prepare for this, I'll put that in the description. And Dr. McCullough's book, The Courage to Face COVID-19, will be in the description
1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select
0: devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. As well, and you two are, I mean, really at the tip of the spear in terms of your, I mean, just outright intelligence, your raw intelligence, work ethic, and uh, and medical wisdom. So, so as to have you both here, as I said in the emails, I wanted to discuss the the origins of, of COVID-19, because again, I don't know anything about it. I have a biology degree. That's the limitations. And I, I don't claim to know more about it. <laughs> and I see Dr. alvik smiling at me. Um, I did pass organic chemistry, but Dr. McCullough, we just spoke uh, earlier in the prior episode about uh, some very clear engineering done. Um, could you maybe Go right back over that, what we, we just did with George Webb about the, the, the 2015 work?
2: You know, after the SARS 1 <clears throat> outbreak, remember SARS, <clears throat> Sudden Acute Respiratory Distress Syndrome 1, that was about a 90 day uh, outbreak. And it had about a 10% mortality rate. Uh, that virus, which uh, looked like it had jumped from an animal to a human, <clears throat> I think got on the radar screen of uh, leaders uh, in many countries around the world, in the United States, uh, leaders that dealt with uh, biological threats. And the NIH division is called BARDA, the military division is called DARPA, but SARS got on the radar screen and the NIH specifically funded research with SARS, the virus, the coronavirus, Uh, they funded research uh, starting pretty much a few years after the SARS outbreak. It takes a year or two to get NIH funding. <clears throat> and uh, a Chinese uh, investigator was brought to the University of Texas Medical Branch in Galveston. They started the very first experiments of working with SARS in U.S. laboratories. Uh, then the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, led by Ralph Baric, whose entire life work was with coronaviruses. He started publishing on them in the early 1990s. Um, he became really the kingpin of NIH research-funded studies on SARS, or what's now called SARS-CoV-2, but in two pivotal papers where uh, Venet Menacheri is the first author, Ralph Barrick is a senior author from UNC Chapel Hill, but also Harvard, a Swiss Institute, and the Wuhan Institute of Virology in these collaborative papers uh, published in Nature Proceedings and the Proceedings of the New York Academy of Sciences Tommy, in the title of the paper, it says the emergence of SARS-CoV-2 into human populations. So they were clearly anticipating a modified virus getting into human populations in these papers. You can look them up. You can search them on PubMed. You can type in a Google Scholar search and bring them right up, download them. They're published in two very good journals. I've summarized them on my Twitter feed. Uh, You can find them pretty readily.
0: Dr. Albeck, your your thoughts or response to that?
1: Uh, you know, uh, my knowledge of uh, coronavirus is going. Uh, you know, I couldn't say I was working because I didn't work with coronavirus. Well, uh, in the Soviet Union, uh, but my first experience was in uh, 2003, 2004, when I was invited by the government of Singapore just to see what what kind of uh, preparedness should be uh, developed uh, against biological agents of different kinds, including SARS SARS virus. And analyzing all this, uh, a a pattern of uh, that epidemic development, of course, it was obvious uh, that it wouldn't be uh, very, I would say, huge uh, because of of high mortality, usually just it's uh, a... High-mortality viruses, they cause a high level of death, let me say this, uh, uh, very rarely. Yeah. Uh, but of, of course, no, nobody could say it, uh, it wouldn't be a big problem, but we had several discussions. And it looks like in 2004, we had a few meetings and we discussed the possibility of future epidemics and everybody came to a conclusion uh, in our meetings uh, that we need to uh, work on this in terms of developing vaccines or developing different types of defense uh, be- because uh, there is no, there was no, I would say, uh, guarantee that we wouldn't have a new epidemic if, uh, in the future. And uh, when the first case, I'm not t- talking about MERS, uh, which took place, it looks like it was... Uh, uh, 2012 or so, uh, but it looks like it was already, uh, I mean, this type of virus was already amongst uh, human population, because we knew about some other viruses. And when first information about this virus came out, uh, it was first, I, I do remember I read an article uh, which was published, looks like it was in December of uh, 2019 about some, some uh, new cases. Uh, I started reading more about this and some scientific information, some information coming from uh, different places, different countries. And uh, because my first degree was in, in epidemiology, uh, and when I analyzed, let me say, first uh, cases, how it was spreading, and, for example, how the number of cases was uh, increasing, uh, over time, because it's, uh, it was, say uh, uh, it was mid mid January of uh, 2020, mm, it was. I, I cannot say it was clear to me that it would be a pandemic, but it was a very high suspicion that we we are just uh, getting to a big problem. Mm-hmm. And it uh, looks like sometime at the end of January, I gave an interview to Fox News. And I said, okay, guys, looks like, looks like uh, we are heading towards uh, some big epidemic. I don't remember what kind of wording I was using, but I said, okay, uh, things will t- uh, start getting better. Uh, but we, uh, after we have some big problem. Why? Uh, because I noticed uh, that it was a kind of strange uh, epidemic actually started uh, in the area where uh, China had a base of a facility specifically focused on studying coronavirus at that time, I had no idea uh, about what kind of research has been done, but you know but even just this, this type of type of coincidence uh, uh, location a kind of strange discussion about the market uh but you know. If you see the epi- 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 uh, epidemic, which starts, let me say, at the exact location of the city where such a facility located, of course, it's the probability is one of uh, a million. Uh, it will be such a coincidence. First and second, of course, kind of it was obvious. Uh, nothing, just it's a, a kind of not obvious attempts uh, to keep. Uh, Initial information and control. Then um, the kind of steps, uh, steps which are, where I would say, uh, epidemiologically uh, a kind of senseless. You know, just if you. about uh, some contagiousness and necessity to, to quarantine people and uh, you declare sometime in the beginning of January and those two steps uh, at the end of January okay, forget any kind of uh, I would say uh, containment because people are already everywhere Yeah, and it will be because it's uh, some strange steps were showing about that it was not to me, of course, we still cannot say whether it was uh, 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 deliberate, uh, uh, spreading, or just kind of accident. Uh, but it's clear that uh, something was uh, no, not clear. I would say let me put it this way, and we still have a suspicion that uh, the virus coming from the particular facility. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tony, t- t- can I go open the door? Yes, yeah, sir. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and, and and be, uh, be back, okay
0: yes sir so uh, uh dr albeck I, I think said what a lot of us a lot of us lay people like myself concluded early on and uh what john stewart so hilariously pointed out on stephen colbert's show several months ago i think it was this year what are the odds that this exact virus emerges in the same geographical location of this exact lab from a country who is known to have a, a, a lesser safety protocol. Dr. Al, or not Dr. Alex? excuse me, Dr. McCullough, could you maybe uh, share your thoughts on that, just on the very surface level facts of this virus appearing in Wuhan, near the Wuhan BSL-4 lab that we were doing funding in, including the papers you just talked about. It seems the pieces are coming together.
2: Right. So the Medicherry papers are important and they're chronicled in Peter Bregan's book, COVID 19, The Global Predators. Bregan outlines 36 pandemic uh, planning preparedness events, including these papers. Of the 36, 25 generated written documents like these papers, six of them were filmed. So without a doubt, SARS CoV 2 and the, the engineered virus was in the Wuhan Institute of Virology in. 2013, 2014, and 2015, without a doubt, because the papers indicate that's the case. The the virus wasn't at University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. It was actually in the lab. That's where the work was done. It says right in the papers. And it says, you know, it's poised for emergence. So the papers are saying it's in the lab in Wuhan, China, and it's poised for emergence. It's written, it's a title of the papers, Tommy. So it's in the lab. And then the issue of what happens in 2019, we hear different reports of patient zero potentially being a lab worker. Maybe a test tube was was uh, dropped or broken or, or uh, a, a ventilation hood was was uh, violated in some way. And, and and someone contracts SARS-CoV-2. Patient zero is described to have someone from the lab to, to have someone who died. But it's very plausible that person went to the fish market and then contaminated more people in the fish market than it went forward. But that first paper in Lancet that said that the virus jumped from an animal into a human in the fish market, that was completely implausible. We even knew from that first paper, a third of the people never went to the fish market. And then multiple workers at the woodhead Institute of Virology were, were fired and summarily dismissed and all kinds of things happened, Tommy. I can tell you the virus was in the lab. This is not uh, a, a point of dispute. The, the Barrick papers describe it fully engineered and developed in the lab. The question is, <clears throat> what happened with that very first case? And no doubt it was in the fish market, but it had to have come from the lab and vice versa, since it was there years before.
0: So I think that kind of that brings us to the, the second step is if we can reasonably conclude and obviously we don't have a time machine we can't go back and say beyond a reasonable doubt although it seems to be pointing that way 99.99999 but for the sake of having an open mind we'll say we don't know for sure but it probably was in the lab 2013 2014 2015 and dr alabek his past i i I recommend everyone listening to this uh, research dr alabek and his expertise number one in the world with this in the Soviet Union, biopreparat. Um, It then comes to the next question. is It's one thing if it's engineered. Okay, we do that in Dietrich, Belvoir. This is as old as time. Was it released intentionally? And that's something that I don't think you can necessarily find a smoking gun for, at least not biologically. How are you going to prove intent seem I feel like that's maybe more for lawyers or for for intelligence community spooks but uh Dr. McCullough, we, are you comfortable with venturing your own opinion on that or is that is you know that... I think
2: if you're just looking at all the behavioral signs um I I think it was uh released by accident I think it was a lab accident Tommy really because uh it, 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 even though there was a lot of planning for this threat and planning the countermeasures, the actual time of release and whether or not it was ever going to be intentionally released—maybe this was just like any other threat—they were just getting ready for it. Um, but uh, there were so many signs that nobody was was prepared for this. You know, the Chinese being caught flat-footed and having Chinese get sick, uh, and then having getting on airplanes and then having it spread around the world—it it looked all the world like something that had just literally by accident spilled in a lab. It looked like a biosafety leak to me. And then the whole world was caught flat footed, not enough masks, personal protective equipment, uh, all kinds of crazy responses, uh, uh, you know, flawed mathematical modeling. It was really clear that that no one was really prepared for this to get outside the lab in Wuhan, China, maybe outside of Ralph Barrick, and Venet Menachery, and, and Dr. Shingri Lee, she's the bat lady. It's interesting, Ralph Baric, uh, who knows the most about coronaviruses probably in the entire United States or world. He should be on TV every night trying to help America get out of this mess. Uh, this guy is the quietest person in the world. You never hear from him. And no no one thinks about interviewing him. If they're trying to interview him, they certainly don't say they've done so. It's it's so interesting.
0: Um, Dr. Albeck, I don't know if you could hear us, but... So, you know, referring to what you said earlier about what are the odds of it being, you know, emerging in that exact geographical uh, location and uh, Dr. McCullough talking about the, I guess, biological fingerprints, not only research papers, but also the the, the patented uh, sections of the code. It all points towards it being engineered. The big question is, is was it released or was it leaked? And again, I'll say it, I don't know short of a, a confession of a lab worker, I don't think we can know that. I think it's speculation. We don't have you're not gonna find a fingerprint that says this is the intentional release. It's something that probably forever will remain a mystery, but because you have a, a unique experience of everyone I've ever talked to, really of anyone in the world, and again it's it's an opinion. Do you think it was released intentionally or do you think that this was an accident and the rest is just chaos?
1: Uh, You you know, first, let me say this. Uh, Many years ago, uh, uh, having discussions with different government officials, with different scientists, I was saying that... uh, the Soviet Union was already able to develop genetically modified bacteria viruses even in the late eighties i mean it's religious. it's uh, then then what what I heard again so so many people said okay uh it's, uh it's it's not true it's not possible and so on and so forth okay uh, and uh, but the knowledge was just uh, yes, with the development of synthetic biology, molecular, uh, molecular biology, genetic engineering, of course, we were coming closer and closer to the possibility of developing uh, genetically modified viruses. It's, it's not a problem any longer. Now, now the knowledge actually uh, allows to develop uh, completely uh, novel viruses. Uh, again, it's, uh, it's a possibility nowadays. Uh, and the question always okay where is the kind of uh, threshold between kind of legitimate research or the research in the field of uh we call it gain of function research because this is uh, in my opinion uh, the biggest mistake people can make in terms of uh because if you develop uh, if you do such work of course you need to understand that if you develop this okay uh, the probability of losing uh, this virus or accidentally releasing this, uh, this virus let me say into the environment let me say, always exists and especially just because sometimes we say okay, BSL, uh, BSL for facility, they are quite uh, uh, i mean uh, quite well protected no it's not true because it's uh, you know just whatever we have just the probability of releasing accidentally is always the case. You know, we have several places, for example, we have ventilation systems uh, uh, in which, for example, the virus accidentally can come out. We have uh, so-called uh, uh, solid waste sterilization systems in which, for example, if it's not, I mean, inactivated well, for example, the virus can go out. We have uh, liquid waste sterilization uh, uh, inactivation uh, facilities inside, it's, it's another problem. But the most uh, important Possibility is a person. Person working inside. Uh, because when we work with some virus, uh, we need to keep in mind that if any uh, virus uh, infecting uh, a person uh, would take several days, or weeks. Let me say, just uh, I mean, without being still dormant. I mean just so we call the period to in the incubation period. Without And somebody who is working there may uh, may come out, for example, uh, without even knowing that he or she was already infected. But this uh, principle, I mean, just... Uh, and as far as I know, um, uh, this facility didn't have a special facili- facility for people who should be uh, kept in quarantine mm-hmm. for the time of the incubation period. And then after getting... Clear, clear information about the person is not infected, I mean, is not producing any disease, the person could be released just, just to go outside. This is a general principle. You cannot do this type of work, for example, because of our, the probability of, uh, I mean, carrying the virus without knowing that, uh, that you are already infected is very, very high. In this case, uh, I don't think that, for example, somebody who is working I mean the government of China. I don't think uh, the government has done something on purpose. For example, to release this virus, but uh, the probability of somebody ex- uh, being accidentally infected, we say coming out and infecting others, uh, this is a probability. You
0: you talk about that extensively in your book Biohazard about um yeah the can the 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 small hospitals really 10, 20 beds that were you know, positive pressure, they were sealed inside. So if anyone was exposed, they could have full medical care, including, I mean, for days, weeks, months for incubation periods, and just to make sure they talked about it like the Russian doll, you know, building inside of a building, inside of a building, inside of a building.
1: It, 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 you know, to me, it's not uh, should be exactly the case. But, you know, just if you work with some unknown uh, viruses or some... Modified viruses. Uh, there are several principles we, we need to keep in mind. Okay, uh, first, it's a you, you shouldn't have in the facility which uh, I mean uh, ha- having a kind of access from outside and working with pathogenic viruses. Uh, I with, without two, three layers of protection. This is first. Second, you need to have uh, systems for ventilation. Uh, and positive pressure, uh, then uh, filtration system for uh, exhaust uh, and intake air, for example, with two three uh, layers of HEPA filters. Then, uh, in terms of sterilization, you need to have central co- collectors to uh, to collect uh, all liquids from facility, any kind, and uh, inactivate it, and just release it after you check that there is no virus just kind of uh, so some DNA or RNA virus, let me say, is available And uh, what is absolutely essential, if you work with contagious virus, doesn't matter what kind of contagious virus you work with, because you must have uh, a quarantine facility. Yes. quarantine facility is not just uh, isolation from the standpoint, of saying, okay, just you should be treated. No. You know, you finish your uh, shift, for example, you work for 10 or 15 days. Okay, then as soon as you finish, uh, you go uh, to this quarantine facility, which is inside of this uh, the premises of this place. Uh, you stay there uh, under observation, for example, for a short period of time, which uh, would be uh, obvious, for example, that for two weeks, for example, depending on the incubation period, that you are clear uh you have no signs of infection, and after this you should be released and you should be let go going home. this is the principle otherwise uh, uh, otherwise, for example, if you do the work in the morning uh, then in the afternoon you're going home or you can say just uh be prepared for a possible infection before possible yeah. epidemic
0: yeah, and it's um. I mean if you go back to World War II and I'm I'm a little more this is a little more on shaky ground for me so I I might be incorrect but I believe even even the German facilities under Dr uh, Dr Bloma and, and Walter Schreiber, or Schreiber the, the it was done in a uh, at very remote farm locations uh you mentioned in your book and something I am somewhat familiar with unit 731 uh under Shiro Ishii that was out in the middle of nowhere Um, and you talk about early on in your book, uh, rebirth Island, where it's like nothing could even grow in the waters because of a a fertilizer leak. So you don't even have to worry about fish. It seems that that also is like, uh, a kind of prerequisite is if you're going to do this, you basically have to be on the moon. I don't, I can honestly say I've never actually even Googled a picture of Wuhan, but it, I don't imagine it's a good idea to have it that close to an open air market i just so you almost wouldn't need for it to be intentional it seems that it might organically get out because of a a lack of precautions whether the lack of the quarantine facility or or just its proximity to i mean really just just the proximity to civilization it seems like that's that's it so again, it muddies the waters. You don't even need for it to be released intentionally. It kind of seems like it was doomed to fail. Yeah,
2: you know, Tommy, I would agree with that. You know, I've been to China five times myself. I've never been to Wuhan, but I can tell you, even the the cities that we previously didn't know uh, here in America, like Wuhan or or uh, Shenyang or what have you, uh, these are large cities. Wuhan is. You know, 8.9 million people. It's, it's way bigger than New York or Chicago. Very uh, vertical, tons of skyscrapers, um, you know, very, very densely populated. It'd be impossible to try to organize uh, this virology center because it had been there for a long time. And Stéphane Bainzel, the billionaire CEO of biomeru through this Chinese Communist Party, Jacques Chirac French arrangement, uh, Biomeru is the contractor. Bainzel was the architect of the uh, biosecurity level four annex to the Wuhan lab. And it was uh, built. And once it was built, Stefan Bainzel leaves BioMiru in 2011, and he joins Moderna, a one-person company. How can a billionaire join a one-person company? Uh, and then they work with the NIH on the patent for the Moderna vaccine. Now in the Moderna versus Pfizer lawsuit, a lot of this is going to come out. When did they draw up the, the first drafts of the patent? How did all this come together? Uh, but I can tell you when Bainzell leaves or U as a billionaire and joins a one-person company, the only thing he could have in his mind is there must be a pre-plan for Moderna to be richly capitalized and to start working with the Chinese on biotechnology development. It it can be the only conclusion why that would happen. Uh, You know, no one's questioned Bainzell. No one's uh, interviewed him uh, and asked him, you know, what did he do from point A to point B? And why did he leave his, you know, his billionaire position in France to to join this one person company in Cambridge? But, you know, these are the types of stories that are in a James Bond novels, uh, and yet they 're going on in real life right now and and americans are are avidly reading these books, trying to figure out what in the world 's just happened
0: it um yeah money definitely seems to be the biggest culprit um to to what Dr. Albeck was saying about it not being intentionally released. I guess i in, again, in my limited wisdom, I look at it more as if you 're gonna do it, you would go all the way. Right. There's really no, we used nuclear weapons in August 1945 because we were the only ones that had them. You don't use nuclear weapons now because it's an assured death for everyone on the planet, including yourself. With biological weapons, it seems like if you're going to use them, you go all the way, you know, be it Ebola or smallpox or whatever. I mean, you aerosolize them or you. You go all the way knowing that you're also going to get it in turn.
2: Well, this... you do it. You tell me, it makes sense to me. Let's just uh, say that this was a, a Chinese Communist Party plot, that sure. somehow the Chinese had commandeered the technology. They had it, uh, they had the US with a lot of leverage saying, listen, you, you're working with a bioweapon in our lab, it's now our property. They've, they've basically nationalized it. And let's just just, you know, play out a science fiction movie that they wanted to destabilize uh, the United States. Uh, You could see, uh, you know, some Chinese scientist you know, uh, spilling a beaker of this stuff on a busy New York uh, subway and then jumping off the train and then letting everybody get sick in the subways and and have this thing start out in New York City and then find it around America, what have you, or do the same thing in London or, uh, you know, do it on a ferry boat in Sydney. Um, you know, you could see something like that. But the fact that the Wuhan Institute of Virology is there, Bainzel was there building it. Then he joins with Bio- with uh, Moderna. Moderna writes the patent with the NIH. The NIH funds the research with Barrick. They publish that they've done the work in Wuhan. It just, honestly, it just looks like a U.S. biological threat operation that was, 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 you know, botched. It looks like there's a ton of human error in this whole thing. And so they, they try to rush forward these messenger RNA vaccines, which don't look too good from the beginning. And they said, listen, you know, this is kind of our problem. We created it. We're going to create the solution to it and we're going to gun with these vaccines. Uh, To me, that's a likely scenario.
0: Again, it 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 it's a question that we can't definitively answer which is for anybody watching this is wondering why I'm being so cautious tiptoeing around this is because it can't be answered and I don't want to pretend to know the answer um but uh seeing as how I I, I know you you both need a, you both have obligations I say we can run this for maybe another five rapid 550 eight more minutes so Dr. Alabec is there anything that that you want to make a note of that I maybe haven't asked. Is there anything that we haven't considered about either the purpose and capability or ability for it to be engineered and, or the intent to release it? Was it an accident? What could it, could you use it as a low level thing instead of as a extinction level event? Could you use it as a destabilization weapon or Does it maybe just look like it and we're projecting our own theories onto it? Uh, I know you, I just you
1: you only, If I may, i um, uh try to touch two, but in my opinion, two very important topics and maybe the third one I'll answer your question, okay? Okay. If, if it's possible. Yes, sir. First, you know, just, uh, when I spend uh, and you know, I'm quite experienced in this field. And, uh, you know, when people, some people say, okay, the governments are, uh, are doing something wrong, they have kind of uh, bad ideas to develop something like this. You know, just, uh, I'm not a person who likes uh, conspiracy theories. Sure. I mean, because it's, you know, just some people say, okay, the American government, is doing something just to eliminate somebody. no, I don't like it, and I, I don't believe it. And if, what, but what we, we, we do have for any government, we have a kind of level of incompetence, You know, just in a certain field. For example, if we have NIH and we have some scientists can do some work, and then we have a higher level, and uh, on a higher level, we say uh, scientists or manager, uh, managers, they know something but not much, and, you know, moving, moving up, for example, we go to the point when, for example, whatever you tell uh, uh, to a government official, they wouldn't, they wouldn't get it because they are not experienced. They have no knowledge of biology or sophisticated science and so, uh, and so on. In this case, I mean, just uh, saying, okay, uh, if somebody is preparing a proposal, saying, okay, this type of research should be done because of this possible threat this is what actually happened with the gain of function research. Because we need to study whether, for example, a kind of enemy can develop uh, a new weapon and we need to prepare, uh, prepare for this. It's not true. It's absolute mistake. You know, because uh, gain of function research should, should be prohibited. Absolutely. Uh, because this type of things. it's not an attempt to develop a weapon, we say. It's an attempt just yes, to make money, to publish an article, to become kind of famous. Okay, I'm the one who created, or I developed some uh, uh, established kind of new understanding of thread or something like this. From this point, it, it should be a law prohibiting this. Because in this case, uh, now we have this level of uh, uh, understanding of virology, understanding of molecular biology, uh, synthetic biology, that many things uh, can be created. And but there is no actual limitation at this point to create a kind of a virus let me say with a very high mortality, or maybe with low mortality, but a kind of high uh, contagiousness, uh, of transmissibility. That's what actually happened to uh, uh, SARS causing uh, COVID 19. This is the case first. In these cases, uh, it shouldn't be uh, forgotten because it's, we always react, okay, uh, the epidemic is going down, pandemic is going down, okay, well, let's calm down. But you know, after uh, something is already settled, maybe to analyze our steps, for example, just to prevent future problems. Okay? In this case, but from this first point, I'd like to get to the second point. In this case, uh, if you notice, uh, I mean, we are working in the field of developing vaccines. And you know, these vaccines, uh, it's a defense development at the end of the 18th century, more than 300 years ago, okay? In this case, oh, well, I, I would say uh, close to 100, to 100. But you know, since then, of course, I'm not saying anything against vaccines, but there is one, uh, downside in vaccine development because it's, we start developing vaccine when the actual infection is coming. Before the infection, we don't know what kind of vaccine we should develop maybe because there was some research done uh, against uh, uh, cars, the first car uh, uh, coronavirus. Just uh, because nobody was uh, highly interested, it was uh, a complete failure. Nothing new uh, has been developed. And then we started developing new vaccines. when, for example, realized okay this uh, COVID nineteen is getting bigger and uh, taking more and more lives. But one of the things I'd like to say, you know, just uh, at the end of twenty uh, twenty, I published a short article about with uh, the name of a head of vaccine that. Uh, uh, protection against the viruses. I don't remember the exact title. And it was not about me. It was uh, completely, uh, I mean, I described uh, how many research has been done in the field of preventing and treatment of viral infections. And it's the first research has been done in the United States in 1993. Uh, they showed, for example, how, uh, uh, how to prevent uh, Infection development at that time there was no no, uh, no SARS, but they uh, I mean several groups of American scientists they, they developed methods of uh, protection using recently discovered interferons, and they showed perfect results. Then in 1986 there was a great research done in in Australia, so, uh, showing same things. Okay, and you know just uh, then. Much uh, research has been done in some other countries. You know, just uh, you know, I published several uh, articles. They're not so sophisticated, but you know, but they're showing okay, guys, uh, so-called non-specific defenses available. And in this case, uh, I, I mean, uh, in order, uh, I mean, we need to give a kind of uh, appreciation or kind of uh, to the scientists who actually offered this. The knowledge was available already in 1983 in the United States. But I have no idea why. Either it due to the companies who are interested in vaccine development, because it's a big business, they But at the same time, uh, uh, using this type of protection, even though, now, now just if you take, take a look at new publications, I mean, we see that people already tested these approaches. They showed positive results. Uh, there, there were results already during the epidemic showing, for example, uh, physicians first line, I mean, uh, working in high-risk areas, uh, having direct contacts with uh, with uh, the patients having uh, severe forms, they are protected by this map. There was no vaccine that, you know, it's, it's not a kind of, uh, I mean, uh, alternative uh, vaccine, but... Uh, a number of publications from eight, eight, the 80s is showing that there is a principle to contain uh, epidemics at early stages using this, this method. There is nothing big, me Cesar, because it's, you know, just even just, uh, it's interesting because this, uh, I mean, the technology to make these products is perfectly, uh, I mean, perfectly known. It's available. Just, it's, it's a matter of just applying in this case, to, to, to me, I, t- I tried to publish, you know, just if you, if you try to publish something against a kind of uh, uh, mainstream mm-hmm. probability for you to publish very, very well, yeah. close to zero. Even just uh, several attempts to publish cop ads, I mean, explaining it, that it's uh, because uh, to, to me it was uh, really important because I didn't claim anything uh, of my work because the work done by good American scientists, uh, good Australian scientists, uh, uh, from Great Britain, uh, China, some other places, the knowledge is there. In this case, if a new infection is coming, are we going to lose again, 5, 10, 20 million people before we have a new vaccine? Uh, This is the case. This is the second point. In this case, uh, uh, you know, some people could could say, the governments, they are corrupt, I mean, just because they don't do this. No, it's, it's in my opinion, it's something different. It's a level of incompetence because it's, uh, it, it's a time to establish scientific advisory groups, uh, not a single person who is saying, okay, yes or no. It's abnormal. Yeah. Uh, and the third one, when we talk about the epidemics, mm-hmm, you know, this kind of discussion, uh, Maybe you don 't know about uh, what's happening between Ukraine and russia now uh, from from this point. Uh, Russians are um, accusing Ukrainians in developing and uh, with the desire to deploy biological weapons. I know it 's not true absolutely zero because Russia is very has a very powerful knowledge uh, in designing biological weapons. They didn't destroy this. capability. They have facilities uh, not far from Moscow. They have facilities in the city of Vyatka. They have a facility, huge facility. Uh, they have a facility close to uh, in, in the area of uh, Ural Mountains. They, they belong to the Ministry of Defense. First. And you know, but uh, for example, even at my time, I knew we could develop uh, genetically modified viruses the end of in the end of '80s and the beginning of '90s you can just in thirty years yeah uh, you, you can imagine this, but there is some new knowledge already available for sure sure, and how much uh, this knowledge is available, and who is going to do this either uh, on purpose or accidentally we don't know, but but we need to work on this because uh, I mean using because here in the United States, the scientists are so powerful, you know, talking to them, but, in, but, every, but we are all content kind of, we all have, have this very high ego. <laughs> okay, my, my science is better than yeah. yours. Yeah. Something of this type. No, you know, just because from this point, we need, we need to talk to each other. We, we, we need to share opinions. We need to be, because uh, the defense, actually, of in one another form, is available. That, that's the case. And, and if we shouldn't politicize the situation of, okay, the Republic comes on saying this, and Democrats are saying something different because we're talking about human rights. Yeah. And things could, could, could change for the better, for sure.
0: Yeah, well, Dr. Albeck always has a, an, an incredible ability to to bring a positive outlook to all of this. And um, I've kept you both longer than I said I would keep you. So uh, we, will, we will wrap this up. Uh, Dr. Albeck, I'll, I'll send you an email about uh, our, our future uh, autism episodes. Uh, I think pick up from part eight, which we
1: did. Mm-hmm. I think earlier. It, this it, year. It, uh, Tommy, thank you very much. But yes, you know, just uh, is it okay? because now I'd like to have it not just a talk. Uh, I mean, uh, a kind of dialogue or back and forth. Uh, I have presentations. Yeah, let's do it. And presentations. Let me see from everything from a historical point. Epidemiology of just, uh, and just research public uh, uh, done by a huge number of scientists across the world, let me say. And uh, now we are very close. Uh, I mean, maybe because hundreds or even thousands of scientists, they now claim, okay, guys, the etiology and pathogenesis of uh, autism is completely different from what we see now. It's not for example to say okay that old science can say it's it's really bad no it's good but you know but we haven't made let me say kind, kind of good conclusions based on the knowledge we already acquired. and this is what needs to be done it's not kind of my this, what I've done kind of simple simple work I mean I just accumulated what has been done by hundreds even thousands of scientists uh, to show how much uh, uh, knowledge we already have and how can we treat uh, we can prevent it. We can treat it at early stages, and we can make uh, currently autistic kids that more
0: neurotypical. Absolutely. I would love to. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll email you after this. We'll start, we'll start setting all those up. Um, Dr. Albeck, I will put the link to your book in the description. Dr. McCullough, I will put the link to your book in the description as well as your Twitter and website. Both of you, thank you so, so much for your time. Thank you for letting me coordinate this. I hope I didn't stumble my way through it too poorly. You both, uh, you both know just a little bit more about medicine than I do, so I hope I could keep up with you guys. And um, Dr. McCall, I know I got to let you mm-hmm. run, so we'll we'll wrap yeah, this up. I'm
1: sorry, Dr. M- M- McCall, it's very nice uh, meeting you. Of, nice hopefully, we'll have a chance doctor. to talk to yes. talk some sometime in the future again. Absolutely, yes. absolutely. Thank you
2: very much. Thank okay. you so much, both of you. Bye-bye. God bless. Take care.